What is up, wrestling fans, and welcome to another edition of the Smart Cat Moment Smack Talk podcast. And we're here talking about New Japan and Wrestle Kingdom 14. And who is we? Well, I am your host for this edition, Callum Wiggins. And joining me, as always, is my co-host, Robert DeFelice. Yes, the uh, the perpetual co-host of Smartout Moment. I am really excited to talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, Callum. Yes, because it is not WWE, and that is always exciting to be talking about. Exciting. But this is the bit, this is, well, let's, let's spoiler alert, this is going to be the best show of the year, or one of the best shows of the year oh, coming yeah. up. So if, you ha- if you're not very familiar with New Japan or you don't watch New Japan very often, this is the show you should always go out of your way to see. Yes, and- this is the reason why I pay a New Japan World fee year-round. And this year, we're getting two for the price of one, because not only is Wrestle Kingdom 14 happening on January the 4th, as it always does on an annual basis, but it's also taking place on January the 5th as well. It's a two-night show. So... This might be, in many people's eyes, like what the future of WrestleMania kind of holds if they keep doing eight or nine hour long shows. Like, I don't know. I don't know if if WrestleMania could succinctly pull this off the way New Japan is. Well, it obviously takes having to rent out the Tokyo Dome, which they've rented out for both nights. They'll still do their New Year's Dash show, but they're doing that on January the 6th instead. So there's, as we know, there's going to be a lot of great matches, a lot of potential title changes, and then the New Year's Dash show is going to set up basically every angle for the next year. So that's pretty much how New Japan kind of operates, at least it has done for the past few years. Very successfully, might I add. Yes, and they have the perfect setup for the first ever two-night event with the double gold dash, as we will break down. But I like how they've really set up a lot of matches for night two depending on what happens in night one yep so we've got a lot of things to break down here so before we get started just want to say if you are not subscribed already to uh, smart Cat moment on youtube then please do that if you're listening to this on youtube if you listen to this on all the podcast platforms do leave a rating subscribe if you can on those channels as well and let's just head on into it with uh, night one so night one has Three uh, kickoff matches, I guess you'll call them, like pre-show stuff. But uh, the most interesting one, probably, is the introduction of uh, stardom to the New Japan fold. Yes. Women's wrestling has hit Wrestle Kingdom. So uh, New Japan obviously has never had, or at least for a long period of time, women's wrestling. Uh, they have had affiliations with the Joshi promotions in the past, so it's not exactly the first time that women have wrestled on a New Japan show. But this is could be a very prominent thing because recently uh, Stardom was acquired by Bushi Road, which is also the the people that own New Japan Pro Wrestling. So they're now under the same umbrella. And if this goes well, it's probably quite likely that we could see a lot more Stardom matches come under like be featured in more, on the more prominent New Japan shows going forward. I'm a little surprised at how quickly the tone changed from we're never going to intermingle to they're on Wrestle Kingdom. And yeah, I'm wondering it, what led to that. Well, I assume it's just the people purchasing it really wanting to establish that as soon as they purchased, I assume that this would be the direction they go towards. I'm pretty sure, like, Harold Mage or the people that are running Bushi Road 
probably see that the idea of having an all men's promotion in 2019 is a bit backwards. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it because the Joshi promotions don't have men wrestling on it. So it's not like if they've always kept it separate, but maybe it's just a start of a great revolution in Japanese wrestling. This is a good point. And I'm also wondering if this was one of those, like, I don't want to say cave-in because it's a, that seems negative, but there's a lot of fan pressure in recent months to do something with women in New Japan because as the expansion was growing and the fan base was growing, they were saying, where are these women's matches? You know, and maybe Harold May and the rest of the team heard that. Isn't your uh, buddy Sean Rossap been one of the most vocal critics of this as well? He has been, and, you know, good old Sean Rossap. I think a lot of people, especially in the journalist community, believe it or not, really want to see more from women in wrestling, and this is a great start to that. I also want to say we're not, we're like two or three weeks out from the New Japan of America shows, and I'm wondering if this will carry any weight going over there and going over to future tours of America. I think it's poten- it has potential, but obviously they're still separate promotions. They do will continue to do separate shows apart from each other. So for, for those of you who aren't familiar with Stardom, I mean, if you if you listen to this and you're not an avid watcher of New Japan, you're probably not familiar with Stardom either. Stardom is one of the like foremost Joshi promotions in uh, Japan. Uh, people like uh, B Priestley, uh, Piper, Niv- Piper Niven when she was Viper, to- Tony Storm, Zaya Brookside have gone through this promotion in the past. Some of them I still this work. This is where they picked up uh, Io, isn't it? Yeah, this is where Io Shirai made her name. This is where Kairi uh, Hojo, now Kairi Sane, made her name. Uh, Asuka was also a prominent feature in Stardom for a while as well. So a lot of the top Japanese women's talent has always has kind of emanated towards Stardom. And here it's going to be represented by Mayu Iwatani and Arisa Hoshiki versus uh, Hanakamura and then this name's a bit more Gialia. Gialia. Um so I'm I can't say that I am the most familiar with these people in terms of watching their matches. I've seen Iwatani in Ring of Honor and a few of her other matches because she is widely considered one of the best female wrestlers in the world if not one of the best overall wrestlers in the world. Uh, she is the current uh, Wonder of Stardom champion, not the current World of Stardom champion. There's a lot of championship belts in Stardom. That's something that you'll get familiar with as soon as, like, if you ever do want to start watching it more prominently. Uh, Mai Watani is the current World of Stardom champion, and she's teaming with Hashiki, who is the Wonder of Stardom champion, who's essentially, like, I guess the equivalent of an Intercontinental champion level. Okay. Uh like New Japan, and this is the reason why I think there's obviously a good synergy between uh, Stardom and New Japan, is that they work in a faction-based organisation. Yes. Which means that, obviously, like New Japan, where you have Chaos, the main unit of Taguchi Japan, uh, Bullet Club, uh, Suzuki-Goon, uh, Stardom works in the same fashion. You have the Stars, which is their big babyface group. They have Odo Tai, or, or Odo Tai which is their comedy heels. Uh, Queen's Quest, which is the kind of cocky tweeners, maybe more bordering on the heel side, which has a lot of their gaijin talent as well. 
and Tokyo Cyber Squad, who is kind of like a very a very neutral people that just want to be like stand out on their own. So very uh, Lij. Yeah, very much an Lij type of uh, organization. Uh, Mayu Watani and Arisa Hashiki represent uh, the Stars Group, so they're like top baby faces. Uh, Hana Kimura is part of Tokyo Cyber Squad, and Giulia is currently unaffiliated. Uh, she only recently signed with the promotion in uh, October of 2019. So it's quite interesting that someone who's only just signed with Stardom is getting this prominent uh, position for the for the uh, brand. Maybe they really want to see how she can do, and maybe they see some potential in her. Uh, so Julia is, um, was previously a big part of Ice Ribbon, which is another Josie promotion. Uh, she is born to both Italian and Japanese parents. Uh, born in the UK, actually, but lived as lived the majority of her life in Japan. Ah. Uh, yeah, so I, I've, done, I've done a bit of research into this because I feel like a lot of people are going to go into this thinking, oh, it's a women's match. This is not going to get that much attention or like uh, time devoted to it. And Sardom has a lot of really good, talented wrestlers. I would also I would say Stardom World, their streaming service, which is the main way to watch the shows. Is also a good investment if you want to know more. Oh yeah, they are. Um, they they're very very um prompt in terms of translating their stuff for uh, English audiences as well. I would say almost that their uh their interface is almost it well actually probably better than New Japan World's one in terms of like for non Japanese people to check it out. So there's, there's a few like interesting stories going in, on into this. So Iwatani's been champion for about 60 days, or she will be for around about 60 days by the time this match happens. Uh, she's in her second reign as the main champion in stardom. Her first reign was actually cut short due to um, an injury that she suffered during a title defence when she was supposed to defend the title against Tony Storm. But due to her injury, the referee had to call, call an audible and award the title to Tony Storm instead. So Storm became, for a while, was World of Stardust champion by accident. Uh, but now Iwatani is holding title. Uh, Hashiki's kind of an, a young up-and-comer who's actually uh, quite an interesting story. She wrestled for Stardom between 2011 and 2012. To put this into perspective, she's 24 now. So that was a good seven or eight years ago. So she's been wrestling, for, she's been wrestling since she was about 15, 16. And... Uh, but she actually retired in 2012, came back in 2018, and has been wrestling since 2018 again. So it's kind of a, an interesting backstory of her. Hannah Kimura has never been a singles champion in stardom, but she won their five-star Grand Prix in September, which is their equivalent of the G1. But she lost her title shot against Bree Priestley, who was champion at the time. She's no longer the champion, obviously. And yeah, that's pretty much kind of, everything that needs to be said about this match. It's just, it'll be interesting to see how much time they're devoted, how much, how, how much, how the crowd receives it, because obviously they're not used to seeing women wrestling on a New Japan show. So I'm hopeful that they at least get a good solid amount of time to tell a good story and show what a future relationship between New Japan and Stardom can hold. Uh, prediction kind of really goes out the window, really, because... I mean, it's it's a, it's kind of a nothing match, but there's really nothing at stake. So I would just say that if you want to promote Iwatani as best you possibly can, maybe it's like the head of this new movement, then Iwatani and Hashiki would win. And I would say that Mayu Iwatani 
will be the star of this new venture. So I think her team will win. Okay, so that's the stardom stuff out of the way. Let's move on to some people that my watchers of New Japan will be more familiar with. So here we have another pre-show match. Uh, Great Bash Heel, Tomoaki, Honma and Togi Makabe teaming with Yuya Uemura and Tota Suji, who are two of the uh, Japanese Young Lions, uh, versus Toa Hanare, Alex Coughlin, Clark Connors and Carl Fredericks, which is well, Toa Hanare and three of the American Young Lions. So this is pretty much like a, vet- a veteran team and two Young Lions against kind of an up-and-comer in Hanare and three Americans. So Jap- Japan versus the rest of the world here. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the Carl Fredericks team wins because they seem to like Toa and they seem to like Carl. I think it's a good spotlight for them and I think they get the win here. I think it is a good spotlight for them to just be part of this card in the first place. But if watching New Japan has taught me anything, it's that if one side has three young lines and one side has two young lines, the side with three young lines loses because they have there's more opportunity for them to lose because the one thing that we can be certain about watching this match is that basically a young line is getting pinned. Oh, yeah. Uh, and if there's three on one side, I think it's more likely that they'll give a win to Honma in order to try and cap off the fact that he's come back from his long-term injury. So I'm personally going to go with the Great Bash Heel team. But of it, the it, young lions here, which one do you think will have the biggest upside in the future? Either Cock. Uh, Clark Connors or Carl Fredericks look like the most prominent ones but uh, Uimura and Suji definitely have like upside to them but I see particularly Suji as more of a comedy character uh, Coughlin I don't know enough about to really know what his ceiling is at the moment but... They like Hanare and I'm going to say either Hanare or Fredericks because I think oh. Fredericks is very good in the ring I think Hanare is pretty established already I mean, he's obviously not won the championship yet, and he hasn't really had too much opportunity to grow, but he's not a young lion anymore. He's got his own character. Oh, really? He's and... moved up from the young lions? Oh, yeah. If he was if he, if he was a young lion, then I would definitely say that the other team's going to win because they definitely wouldn't let a whole team of young lions win this. But Hanare's been, like, that, that next tier up, obviously definitely not at a level. He's kind of... I'm trying to think what is comparative, really. Just like... So, like, out of the Performance Center in the NXT for the American. Yeah, I'd probably say something like that. So he's um, he's kind of a a, a Real Mendoza level, where he's not uh, he because he'll he'll win the occasional match, but he's mainly a jobber for New Japan. Okay. But uh, I don't know. I mean, this could be the year that he kind of breaks out and moves further forward. I still don't know whether he would be somebody to consider for the G1 just yet. But, nah. but if he's not at that level yet, then I don't think it's likely he's going to be winning this one just yet. But again, that's just a pre-show match, just a typical eight-man tag just to get the crowd warmed up. Uh, next one is probably a bit more interesting because it's two veteran teams facing each other. So Tenko Z of Hiroshi Tenzan and Satoshi Kojima uh, facing Yuji Nagata and Manobu Nakanishi. These guys have a massive amount of experience between them. So I don't think this is going to be the, this isn't going to be a Osprey versus a Hiromu in terms of uh, quality in the Movement. ring. But, 
but they, but these guys know what they're doing and they're going to have, I guess, a, probably quite a competitive hard hitting match. And also because they don't really Listen, match. I, I have no horse in this race, but I do love me some Yuji Nagata. So I will say that he will win just because he's one of my faves. And Nagata's great, and Nagata will probably be the MVP of this match because, uh, and I think it's quite interesting because obviously they haven't, they don't feature prominently, and they don't wrestle regularly on the New Japan cards anymore. So maybe they'll try and go a bit more all out for this one because it's their one chance to shine of the year. But uh, I'm I'm personally gonna go with Tenkozy because I think they could still probably have not so much runs as tag team champions, but they'll probably still feature in the World Tag Leagues going forward, stuff like that. So I'll I'll go with the more established team to win. But like I said, most of these uh, kickoff matches don't actually mean anything in the grand scheme of things. And this is the end of the kickoff matches, correct? Because I know the next match up is uh, Liger, and there's no way that's on the kickoff. No, that that, that, that they're the three uh, kickoff matches. So that'll be what we what we introduced to before we get onto the main card. So main card for night one start kicks off with. Jushin Thunder Liger teaming with Tatsumi Fujinami, The Great Sasuke, and Tiger Mask with El Samurai in their corner, facing now. Nah, there's a lot of names here. It's difficult, so bear with me. Naoki Sano. Now, yeah, Naoki Sano, Shinjiro Otani, uh, Tatsuhito Takawa, and Rusuke Taguchi with uh, Kuniaki Kobayashi in their corner, and the special guest referee of Norio Hanaga. Okay, let's. Tatsumi Fujinami at least 66. is, is 66. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Sasuke? Uh, Sasuke is 50. And now is this Tiger Mask like... This is the current Tiger Mask. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> like, this uh, so, is quite the team. Yeah, so, so um, the combined age of the eight competitors in this match is 408 years old. <laughs> Jushin Thunder Liger, 55. This is this is will be his penultimate match. So he gets to team up with a lot of people that have been very influential in his career against a lot of people who have been also very influential in his career. Um, so I did a bit of digging to try and find out like the reason why each pe- person might be in this match. So obviously Liger, it's his final match. 11-time junior heavyweight champion. But I think I assume that makes him the most uh, winningest junior heavyweight of all time. I would think so. Synonymous with the division and the brand, really. Yep, uh, debuted in 1984 and has wrestled for New Japan since 1987. He took on the Liger character in 1989. As of uh, the time of recording under Cage Match, it, this will be um, Liger's 4,204th match of his career. So, all in all, if we count the one on the fifth, he will have 4,205 matches in his entire career. Yeah. This dude had brain surgery in the 90s. And, like, I I think he is the definitive Japanese pro wrestler in my eyes because he just never quit. It's still at, relatively speaking, a high level. It's like, imagine if The Undertaker was still having Shawn Michaels-level matches. Yeah, and, and wrestling as consistently as Liger has, because Liger's wrestled a good, solid, like, I, I don't know how many ex- exactly, but it must be around about 50 matches this year, or in 2019. So, awesome. yeah, and to still be wrestled out. I mean, I saw that match with um, uh, Minoru Suzuki, and that match was 
for for two people who are on the other side of fifty is just a like a, a terrific showing. Like, I really really love that match. Uh, but Liger is obviously hanging up the boots because he knows that he. It's kind of with the idea that he can't keep up with the people in his division anymore. So he's just wanting to take a step back. He obviously he already does a commentary for New Japan. He'll probably go into the training with the dojo as well. So I don't think this will be the. Yeah, this yeah this won't be the last we see of Liger in New Japan. Just the last time we see him in the ring. Does he pass on the mask? No, I don't think so. I don't even know. I don't even know if he'd take off the mask for his final one. Obviously, he has wrestled without the mask before as um, Kishin Liger. Yeah, uh, but uh, I don't. I don't think he'll do that. I would be surprised. I don't think it's going to be like the case with Tiger Mask, where we've had like multiple people uh, taking on that character. I think this will be one and done for Liger. Man, he's he's the first guy like I ever really sought out in Japanese wrestling. So mm. it's an emotional one to see him hang up the boots. So he's teaming up with Fujinami, he's 66 years old, as we mentioned. Debuted in 1971. Uh, he's a six-time IWGP heavyweight champion. He was also the first person to hold the belt simultaneously with the NWA World Heavyweight Championship when he uh, defeated Ric Flair for the title. He's also uh, a former WWF International Heavyweight Champion and a WWE Hall of Famer from the class of 2015. I think it's just the idea of just putting someone who was basically the top of New Japan at the time was like was just about coming up. I think that's probably the reason why they decided to put these guys together. Uh, the Great Sasuke is a former IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion and was also a Junior Tag Team Champion with Liger. Uh, he still wrestles for uh, Michinoku Pro Wrestling. Yeah, at the age of fifty. Yeah, pretty regular. Uh, Tiger Mask, obviously, is this is uh, one of the the, the most uh, long term holder of the Tiger Mask mask. Uh, because uh, there have been multiple people in it, but uh, he's teamed with uh, Liger. He's a former tag team champion with Liger as well. So, uh, and he's probably the guy who's teamed up with Liger the most prominently over the last ten years or so. Who's so, under the mask? Yeah, I, I don't think it's like would be that hard to find, but uh, I haven't. Because uh, Rocky did it for a while. Rocky Romero. Uh, but there have been multiple uh, different Tiger masks as well, because there's been like White Tiger stuff like that, Black Tiger. So I don't know whether it was the exact same person. Right. So the current Tiger Mask is Tiger Mask 4, who is um, Yoshihiro Yamazaki. I think think Rocky was 3, because I know, obviously, the one everybody thinks about, it wouldn't think Tiger Mask is the guy who was in the ring with Dynamite, and that was Tiger Mask 2. That's uh, Mitsuharu Misawa, obviously. Um, Isar uh, was well known for his uh, time in uh, Noah and All Japan Pro Wrestling. And I think this is going to be a really cool match. I do have a gripe with the yeah. fact that his match tomorrow night, or not, uh, on the 5th, will be a tag match as well. I would have liked to have seen him go out in a banger of a singles match. Well, but... yeah, I, I think we all would have liked to see that as well. It just, I guess it just didn't fall in the cards. And if he's going to wrestle... The people that he will be wrestling on second night, which is obviously Hiromu and Ryu Lee. Maybe he just couldn't keep up with them in a singles match. You may have worried that he might just drag the match down if it wasn't a tag match. Yeah, which is, I guess that's good. That's self-awareness he has. All right, so his opponents for this match, uh, Naoki Sano, is a 
basically a, a a long-time rival of Liger's as a um as opponent again another former IWGP junior champion 54 years old uh, so he's actually a year, year uh, younger than Liger uh they won the 1990 match of the year uh, from the wrestling observer newsletter uh, match between those two so Uh-oh. and he wrestled for Nara until 2012 uh Atani is uh the current uh well he's both a wrestler and the acting president for zero one which is another like smaller japanese promotion he debuted in uh 92 he's 47 again another former uh junior heavyweight champion another one that's had a lengthy feud with liger in new japan because basically Liger's faced everyone in the new japan uh junior heavyweight division takaiwa is basically in the same though he's been a Another junior heavyweight champion. He defeated actually defeated Liger for one of his for his title reign. Uh, he's also working with Zero One. He's also uh, like a long time tag team partner of Atani, so they'll probably be working together quite a lot in this. And Taguchi is probably, I guess the is now the standard bearer for the uh, like junior heavyweight division. Like yeah. the the veteran name. Obviously, you have people like Osprey and Hiromu who are kind of the the flagship people now, like the real top heavyweight, junior heavyweights, but Takuchi's been like the like I I, I guess just uh, the 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 gatekeeper almost for the entire division for a good number of years now. Like he's the veteran. He's he's the youngest guy in this match though. Forty years old. Like he's forty years old. He's the youngest guy in this match, and he'll probably be doing a lot of heavy lifting as well for his team. This is so cool. To mm. see, and I'm sure it'll be like a great little showcase match. So, but yeah, it, it's a uh, obviously like, Liger wins. I mean, I, 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 I predict that Liger would win. If anyone's interested about the people in the corner, El Samurai is uh, another former junior heavyweight champion and also a former junior tag team champion with Liger. One of the best. Uh, Kobayashi is um, was Liger's first ever opponent under the gimmick of Jushin Thunder Liger. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, it's a um, another former junior heavyweight champion. He's sixty three at the moment, so that so he's kind of like who was a I wouldn't say a veteran. He was a veteran at the time that Liger was coming up. Are we going to see a cartwheel uh, over the rope moonsault from Sasuke? That's what I want. I, like. I mean, if he can somehow pull it off, then I wouldn't. I, well, I'd probably tell him no because he's fifty years old. So maybe. <laughs> uh, I want to know how hard these dudes are going to go. Like this, this should be a really fun match to watch. Yeah. And the referee, um, Hanaga, is a uh, former three-time junior heavyweight champion. Uh, he uh, actually, the interesting thing is that he retired in 98 in matches that both involved Jushin Thunder Liger. His, uh, his penultimate match was against Liger. So, wow. So basically he's going to be there to oversee Liger retiring after Liger helped oversee him retiring. That's that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's a really, like, this has been a really... Even though it's a tag team match, many people would want to hope that like, like well, at least one of Liger's matches wouldn't have, would have been a singles match. They've they've clearly put a lot of thought of effort into putting this match together. So I appreciate that, and I'm hoping that Liger's team wins this one. But kind of knowing Liger, it wouldn't be surprised if he just allows himself to get pinned by Takuchi. Nah, he he can win this one and then go out on his back tomorrow. Yeah. Also, uh, uh, from the news desk of Fightful. Liger will be keeping his mask following retirement. That's uh, that's probably for the best, really. Yeah. I, I, I don't think anyone could kind of, I don't say no one could live up to that thing because there's a lot of great wrestlers out, great young wrestlers out there, but 
trying to hold on to that mantle of responsibility is probably too much to put on somebody, especially if they aren't already prominent at the moment. So that's I a... think um, you, we're covering night two as well in this one, right? Yeah, we'll be covering night two, but I'm kind of getting kind of getting want to get night one out of the way first. Okay, but because uh, that's kind of like the big. That's one of the biggest matches. Then we have kind of a sea of mediocrity. I say mediocrity. They're going to be great matches because they only really do great matches in um, uh, Wrestle Kingdom. But they're kind of nothing matches in terms of what they represent. So yeah. it's So it's a another eight-man tag. Los, uh, Los Ingobernables de Japón, which is Evil, Sonoda, Shingo, Takagi and Bushi facing the Suzuki-Goon team with Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, Zack Sabre Jr. and El Desperado. So I guess the interesting things coming out of this match is the fact that it's Sonata against Zack Sabre Jr. He'll be wrestling on night two for the British Heavyweight Championship. Uh, other than that, it's just putting these two teams together because they've been feuding quite a lot throughout the year. Uh, again, it's, it's not really matters. It doesn't really matter too much who wins this one, but I'm going to go with Suzuki Goon because I think there's bigger things coming for Los Incombinables, uh in not on night two. I'll say I'll go to LIJ and I'll say Sonata pins. Saber Jr. with a quick roll-up or something just to get the juices flowing for the fifth. I mean, that's, I mean, that's good prediction. I, it might even just try and spice mine up by going with a prediction that I think um, Zack Saber Jr. makes uh, Bushi tap out for my one. That Either way, like, these are great wrestlers. I know oh, sometimes yeah. you see eight-man tags and you're like, all right, it's non-consequential, but these are phenomenal talents. Oh yeah, they're fun matches, and it's a way of getting some people that really deserve to be on the card in more prominent matches. Because Shingo Takagi, for what he's done this year, deserves to be really kind of deserves to be in a more prominent match. But and, uh, you know, you can't go wrong with Suzuki. Like no, yeah, I think a match between uh, Takagi and Suzuki would be great at some point. Um, oh, that would be really good. Then we have another eight-man tag, which is a, a chaos team of Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii. Toru Yano and Yoshihashi uh, taking on the Bullet Club team of Bad Luck Farley, Chase Owens, Kenta and Yujiro uh, Takahashi. Uh, obviously, the main thing to look out for this in this one is Peter will be appearing at ringside. So. Yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, I think she won the Hiroshi Tanahashi special award, uh, in, yeah. award in, the, in the body competition. So, yeah. you know, uh, good on the ace, but Obviously, we're looking at uh, Kenta is going to go up against Goto in night two, mm-hmm. and I'll go ahead and say I think Bullet Club wins because they seem to like that. How are you feeling about Kenta in New Japan? It's we've had about six months to digest. How uh, are you feeling? I'm feeling better about it than a lot of New Japan fans seem to be feeling about it because basically, uh, I saw I don't know what. I think we talked about it when we did the uh, G1 review about how people would, in the YouTube comments from the Japanese audiences were just leaving such scathing reviews about how Kenta sucks and all that other stuff. But I feel like he's since joining Bullet Club, he's got an edge to his character now. He's got become a lot more vicious. So I'm I'm looking I'm excited to see what he does going forward. And I think his match with Goto could be pretty good. It probably won't be. It would. It won't be match of either nights or anything like that but it'll be solid and it'll be pretty hard hitting um do you think japanese fans are over bullet club Mm, 
I, I don't know just yet because uh, it has changed a lot. So I don't know whether it really is worthwhile to say that they're over it yet. I, I think, think I think I think I think in the next couple of years we need to see a transition in terms of the factions, like some new blood, like some new factions in there, changing yeah. it up a little bit. I, I agree. think I think with Jay White at the helm, they at least have someone who just wants to go out there and be booed, which is good for them because I I was worried that well for a while Bullet Club was kind of bordering on the tweener territory by having the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and stuff and people like that. Whereas now they're fully established. They're like, okay, this is the heel group. Yeah, and Switchblade Jay White, you can argue that he's a discount Kenny Omega, but has anybody had a better two years in wrestling than this guy? He gets the switch. (laughs) That's arguable. Okay, I'll give you that. But he gets the Switchblade gimmick. He challenges Tanahashi at Wrestling 12 for the IC belt. It's kind of like it's let a different down. style. It's very much a letdown. And then suddenly he beats Omega. And I don't know if it's just like osmosis or the mind, but this dude just started banging on all cylinders and he gets to Wrestle Kingdom 13 last year and he beats Okada in 14 minutes. And then he wins the IWGP belt. And the one thing I like about him and the Bullet Club now is their mic work and their viciousness is something unparalleled in the promotion. Yeah, they're definitely... Um, I think I think they could be in for a bit of a rejuvenation, hopefully, going forward. Uh, in terms of this match for the eight-man tag, I'm going to go with uh, Chaos winning. Uh, just because I feel like... I don't, I don't know, maybe it would just be nice to give Ishii a win or Yano roll someone up. Well, I went with the baby faces of LIJ in the last one, so I'll go with the heel group of Bullet Club in this one, and I think Kenta will get the pin. I think he'll hit somebody with the GTS, maybe even a penalty kick, looking at a Ketsuyori Shibata, and I think Kenta gets the win. So, next match is, uh, I guess, the uh, it's the first ta- uh, title match on the main card, which is uh, Gorillas of Destiny, Tama. Uh, Tonga and Tongaloa defending the heavyweight uh, tag team championships against Thin Juice, which is uh, Juice Robinson and David Finlay. Uh, so Robinson and Finlay won the World Tag League after defeating Evil and Sonata in the finals. So this that's how they earn their opportunity here. Yeah, we got a new tag team in the Wrestle Kingdom picture. Yeah, it is I, good to see. This division needs a like transfusion of talent and a just a fresh take. I don't know if it needs the new. It, I don't know if it needs new talent. As if it just needs to be treated prominently. It yeah. always just feel. I mean, Gorillas of Destiny have been tag team champions since February twenty third of twenty nineteen. So they've been champions well over three hundred days. They've defended the title seven times in those three hundred days. Uh, they also became Ring of Honor tag team champions for a short while during that time as well. Yeah, but. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like the titles really mean anything that much at the moment. Well, I mean, they've it, only defended the title seven times in 300 days. Can we Brock Lesnar rule them and just like, hey. I wait know. until I talk about the uh, Nebula Open Weight Six Man Tag Team titles because <laughs> we've got we've got oh. a little, at least, I mean, these guys feel like uh, seasoned, uh, like take, come all, take all challenges type uh, people compared to that title. But um, 
I'm going with Thin Juice. Give right. juice. Well, no, because tomorrow well, that, night. It's, it, the interesting thing is, obviously, we'll talk more about night two when we get onto it, but the interesting thing is that Juice Robinson will be fighting for the United States Championship on night two. That's why I'm personally going with Gorillas of Destiny winning this one, because I just don't feel... I feel like Juice Robinson and David Finley could be good tag team champions. I just feel like they might be saying else they have planned for Juice Robinson on night two, and him carrying two belts would be... It's it's something that you not won't see very much in New Japan. I mean, obviously we're going to see it by the end of night two anyway, because someone will be walking away with two belts. I just don't see Robinson also doing the same. I mean, I it, will, could mean it could mean he only wins this one, but I will take back what I said because I think with night two, as far as the U.S. title, we'll get into that in a minute. But I think they're rectifying certain things. So it, I just say, yeah. it is it is clear they need new ta- will need. Even new tag teams when they need a bit more emphasis on the division than they previously have been given it. Yeah, they need... I would argue that they need a lot of new tag teams because this division just doesn't seem important. So move on from that to the the first United States Championship match of the uh, weekend, which would be Lance Archer defending the title against John Moxley. So, what John kind Moxley, of match is it, Gil? It is a Texas death match. <laughs> which in New Japan's meaning of the term of that match means that it, the match can only end after a submission, a knockout, or a ten count, in the same way a Last Man Standing match would be. So it's like it's almost like a bit of an MMA rules kind of deal. And oh, it's going to be so many weapons all over the place. There's going to be so much shit going on. Yeah, I believe it was you who said to me that Moxley just left WWE to do death matches. Yeah, because like this guy is having a lot of fun. With violence. This is going to kick some fucking ass. Lance Archer is on a roll. Easily the best role of his career. Uh, John Moxley is completely reborn and revitalized. This might be the sleeper hit of the night. So obviously the story coming into this match is that Moxley was forced to relinquish the United States Championship after he couldn't travel to... Uh, King of Pro Wrestling due to I believe it, there was the like tornadoes in Japan or, or a storm in Japan which was uh, restricting air travel a hurricane I believe I can't remember the name of it right now but it was a hurricane yeah and uh, so Archer was drafted in as a last minute replacement to b- battle Juice Robinson for the vacant championship and Archer won and he's held the title ever since uh, he's only defended it the once I believe against it, David Finlay but uh, this will be his second title defence. Interesting caveat is that John Moxley will be at AEW showing Jacksonville on January the 1st. And obviously that is the big caveat, is that Moxley is one of AEW's top stars. And as of, still, as of time recording, there is no working relationship between New Japan and AEW. We'll get into that when we talk about Night 2. Because they seem to be building something. I, I still, or as as far as any reports that I've read, it suggests that there's still a kind of a frosty relationship between the two sides. I oh, mean, for, for sure, but New Japan is saying AEW. And uh, the Jericho Tanahashi match on night two has some interesting stipulations now. Oh, yeah, obviously. But um, yeah, we'll definitely be talking about that more in night two. But I don't know. Obviously, there's. Um, Moxley has been allowed to work for New Japan. Jericho has been allowed to work for New Japan. I know there are rumours circulating, although we haven't seen it come to fruition, that Kenny Omega can still work with New Japan. 
Uh, they, he, he confirmed that the writing was in his contract, even though they never chose to use him. Yeah, because I assume there's still probably a bit of bitterness and resentment there. Oh, yeah. Towards him and the Young Bucks and uh, Cody and people like that. For... Also, apparently the Bucks said that they also had the writing in their contract. But again, New Japan never chose to go that route. Maybe that would, they would see that as like a little bit too much of a step because those guys are not only like wrestlers for AEW, but also vice presidents of the company. So almost like working with them is almost like a signal that New Japan is working with AEW as opposed to just bringing on two people who like are prominent stars who wanted to work for New Japan as well. But this match will be violent. There'll be a lot of... it's. I mean, we've seen quite a few no-DQ matches in um, New Japan over the last couple of years with uh, like Omega versus Jericho a couple of years back. But I assume this will go to another level because Moxley does tend to do that. You're going to hear the word fuck a lot. Do I? You know, you're going to hear the word fuck a oh, lot. I, oh, I thought like, you were talking about me for a second. <laughs> I, felt, I thought I was trying to hold it in a little bit more. <laughs> you're going to... Like, this match... that. You're going to hear a lot of John Moxley just letting a lot of four-letter words fly. And this really feels, and some purists, if they're listening, might get offended. This, this is about as close as you'll get in the modern era to like a Bruiser Brody versus Stan Hansen kind of affair. So who you got winning this one? Um, John Moxley. Yeah, I have Moxley winning this as well. It's It makes all the sense in the world. They're going to... First of all, that's big headlines. The AEW guy, even if it's just for a night, won the New Japan belt again. And I think there's a story to be told with Moxley and Juice that never got to finish. Yeah, 100%. I completely agree with that. Okay, then we have the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship with Ospreay defending against Hiromu Takahashi. This is Hiromu's first singles match back since he broke his neck in July 2018 at the G1 Special in San Francisco. He's How obviously wrestled a couple of tag matches. Oh, I I don't think I could probably put into words how, I guess, like, fascinated I am by this match more than anything else because what we've seen, I've seen their tag team stuff together and Hiromi looks great, but that's in a tag team capacity. I'm wondering how how much of Hiromu is still there. If, if, it, if most of it, or, like, thank, oh, hopefully all of it is still there, this will, this could be the match, the at least night one, probably maybe of the entire weekend. Um, Osprey, I'm not gonna get, I'm not gonna overhype it because last year I thought he and uh, Bushi were gonna kill themselves and it was gonna be amazing, and it was a bit tame, but I think both of these men want to prove something, and Hiromu just. What a comeback. What a fun segment of him just throwing himself around the building. I think it's got to be all there. They strike me as it's either all there or none of it's there. So I'm guessing they go balls to the wall. But this is going to be a strong contender for match of the weekend. Oh, absolutely. Osprey had the year of his life in 2019. Arguably was the best wrestling in terms of like just quality of matches being delivered, probably the best year of anybody in 2019, and arguably like one of the best years of anybody's ever had in a wrestling ring. In terms of just like constantly just 
quality match, quality match after quality match. Uh, he won the, the best of the Super Juniors. He won the title with Dominion from Dragon Lee. He's held it ever since. He competed in the G1. He competed in the New Japan Cup. Uh, won the Never Openweight title in 2019 as well. So I kind of feel like this is the year. 2020 will be the year that we see Osprey move towards a more permanent position in the heavyweight division. He did say... In a recent interview with New Japan, I thought this was interesting because he was the guy trying to bridge the gap that New Japan needs a better a better divisions between the heavyweight and the junior heavyweight. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking this is the year he no more junior. I think he loses it here and he's moving on up. Yeah, I think it's probably pretty clear that they should have Hiromu. If, he, if he's there and he's ready to go, then Hiromu needs to win this match. It's the perfect story. It's a great return. This match will be awesome by basically anybody's standards, I imagine. The one thing I'm thinking that they're going to do in this match, and obviously I would never try and like claim to no spots or psychology or anything like that, but they should do a tease of the move that broke Romu's neck in this match. I feel like if he was wrestling... Uh, it was Dragon Lee, right? Yeah. If he was wrestling Dragon Lee that they might, but... I don't think... I think the big thing here is going to be that elbow Osprey hits. Oh, yeah, the um, it, like the Assassin's Blade thing. They're going to act like that just rebroke his neck with the way that Osprey hits that thing. That is one of the coolest signature moves in wrestling. Yeah, well, kind of Osprey's biggest moves all target the neck, which is like that, the, like the Assassin's Blade strike, the uh, Os Cutter, the Stormbreaker. They're all neck-related moves. So I assume, I assume there'll be a lot of teasing of targeting that neck. But Will Ospreay's been beaten up for most of 2019 as well. So it'll be interesting to see how much they have. They'll, they'll go all out on this. So I, I'm expecting it to be great. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, we move on from that for the probably, well, one of the most interesting matches of the night. Uh, when, well, the uh, semi-main event and the main event. Because they're all very intertwined. So, kind of have to talk about them almost simultaneously, which is JY defending the in the Colonel title against Tetsuya Naito, uh, and then Kazuchika Okada defending the IWGP Heavyweight Championship against Kota Ibushi. So, obviously, the interesting stipulation about this is that the winners of these matches will face each other on night two to battle for both belts. Uh, okay. How do you feel about just the premise of the double gold dash? Excellent. It's it's a way to separate this from any other Wrestle Kingdom show there's ever been. I think it's the perfect gimmick to start up this Unite thing. It does worry me going forward into the future. How will they establish, you know, strong night one and night two events? But this is a good way to start that. How do you feel about the four men involved? Probably the four best men they could choose in terms of like the leaders of their own separate well, Abushi's not really a leader of his group because Tanahashi kind of is, but Abushi will be the next up and comer for it. And Jay White's head of Bullet Club, Tatsuya is the head of Lij, Okada's the head of Chaos. It's probably the right four people to do it. The only is... difference would obviously be if Omega was still around. Yeah, this uh, Jay White is clearly in the Omega role. Is this a foregone conclusion that this is? Built for 
Tetsu Yanaito. There is a very strong argument that that would be the case. I mean, there's a huge amount of light storylines for it because all four of them have been talking about the fact they want to be the first person to be IWGP and Intercontinental Champion. Now, they've been talking about that pretty much throughout 2019. Uh, Jay White defeated Naito for the IC title in the destruction in Kobe back in September. He's also the guy that lost the finals of the G1 to Kota Ibushi. So they've all been really interlinked with each other. He lost the... the these are the four guys who headlined the garden. Yep. Ibushi and Naito fought each other multiple times over the uh, Intercontinental Championship. Their necks are still holding up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ibushi... Uh, oh, well, White, essentially... White, White's been very, very prominent. He started the year as... Well, he didn't start the year, but he... At, Towards the beginning of the year, he was the heavyweight champion. Okada's been heavyweight champion since uh, the Supercard, the G1 Supercard in April. Uh, he's defended it a few times. He defended it twice against Sonata, against Chris Jericho, against Suzuki. Uh, this is Okada's sixth time main event in Wrestle Kingdom, and he's only competed in nine of them. That's awesome. Hair. Yeah, he is. He is the Roman Reigns of New Japan, if Roman Reigns was like universally popular. <laughs> Uh, Abushi is the winner of the G1 Climax. He defeated uh, Jay White. He defeated Okada on the way to getting there. Uh, he's held both the Never Open Weight and Intercontinental Championships during 2019. So there's a these guys have all been featured prominently. They've all it's kind of all been building towards this. It's almost like you didn't realize it, but this is what the entire year has been building towards this these two matches and this final match on night two. I am. <sighs> Part of me says, well, first of all, let me say this. I think Okada Ibushi is match of the night. Part of me really says, okay, this is clearly for Naito, even though I personally feel like he has really been, why, why, like, why is he here? You know, it's almost like, I, I want to call him the Charlotte Flair, how I said Charlotte really brought nothing to the WrestleMania match until they just, you know, gave her the SmackDown title. That's how I feel about Naito here. It's like, I get that you want to be the first person to do this, but you didn't make it to the finals of the G1. You didn't, you know, you lost to Jay White. You're really just here, ironically, because of the arc of his career, but you're here on a vote of popularity almost. And I think that even though Tetsu Naito seems like the likely candidate, you can't sleep on the switchblade when this dude has done everything in the last couple years. So that one in particular is more interesting to me than the world title match because I kind of think Ibushi has to win that one. Well, regardless of who he'll face, and I think if I was giving you my full-on predictions, I think it's Ibushi and Naito and Night 2, but I think Ibushi has to win the belt. See, I've I've come to believe a lot of times in, uh, in my time watching New Japan of you can't ever go against Okada dropping the title, because there's always been situations where we thought, okay, this is the guy to beat Okada. And it's never the guy to beat Okada. Because <laughs> there's only... There's a very, very select group. That, 
his booking as world champion is the greatest booking of a world champion that potentially there's ever been because there's only a finite number of people that can ever can even touch Okada in terms of like winning the title and yet they still make it seem like everyone can beat Okada or everyone not everyone can beat Okada but everyone has a chance of winning the title from him but I personally believe that guns my head because it's not definitely not a full conclusion by any stretch of imagination I have no idea what's going on in Gato's minds sometimes but uh, but it always usually ends up being the right thing I would say that Naito is winning the Intercontinental Championship and Okada is retaining. So you think it's uh, Okada Naito rematch from Wrestle Kingdom 12? I do believe that, and one reason, and one reason why I believe that more than anything else is that Okada and Naito have never faced each other one on one since that match. Hmm. So they have not fought. They have not fought each other since January the fourth, twenty eighteen. They haven't had reason to. They've been again. Ironically, considering the situation we're in now, they've been so separated by their respective championships that they've never needed to. And they've never, been the same, they've never been in the same G1 block. They've never faced each other in a tournament like the New Japan Cup or anything like that. They've all, I believe it's been a long term plan to keep these guys separated until this night. I'm just not crazy about the idea of here we have Koda and Jay White in a nothing match. At, during night two, if you put Okada and Jay, Jay White, you're like, okay, these two guys have traded wins for the title. They, you know, they have that built-in story of betrayal. You can do more with them without the championships than I think you can with Abushi and Jay White. And Abushi and Naito, even though we've seen it a lot in the last 12 months, is always a wonderful correct championship match. Oh yeah, I I don't see any problem with any sort of combination of them. I just don't feel like I just don't feel like they will do Naito against Ibushi again after so many times being a team. And there must be some reason they must be holding off for something big to have Okada and Naito face each other again. They wouldn't have waited this long if they didn't have a plan of putting them back together in a big match. So I'm I'm sticking with my prediction. You're obviously more than welcome to yours because, frankly, any any one of these combinations could this probably is a happen. Toss up. Yeah, like, this it... is a complete any one of these. Either way, all four men are fighting each other because mm. whatever the losers will fight at night two, the winners will fight at night two. I'm just very curious to see how this shakes out. So now we move over on to night two, which will be. Uh, kicking off with essentially like the big free for all thing. They're not doing the New Japan Rumble as far as we're aware. Um, Which is fine, even though that's always a highlight. Yeah, it's always so pretty fun. fun. It, it would have been nice to bring it back, but instead they're going to be doing kind of a, a, the new tradition, really, which is the Never Open Weight Six Man Tag Team Title Gauntlet match. Why is this a thing? Because they don't really care about those titles, but it gets them, it gives them an opportunity to put a lot of people on the card in a like in a big match. Well, a bigish match, but like just uh get them all in together, have a like fun outing with each other. They don't really have to try that hard. So the champions at the moment are the most violent players, which is Togi Makabe and Toriyano, and Ryusuke Taguchi. So they've been champions since uh January the thirtieth, twenty nineteen. So they've almost oh. been champions for a year. They I really think I know this is Tony's thing about merging, but I think you can merge 
some of these never championships and just these in particular aren't as prominent that I don't feel like there's a lot of good six man factions anymore and they don't need to be a thing. My guess is the champions retain unless they want to give another belt to Bullet Club or something. Well, I, I just feel like um, I, th- I think it's inoffensive. Like, these titles don't really mean a great deal, but I don't feel to find them particularly offensive that they're there. Yeah, but, but I don't like the twenty four seven titles a thing, and I don't necessarily think that it needs to be a thing anymore. <laughs> you know? No, that's true. But at least, well, at least we'll get to see these people all competing. So it's going to be they're defending in a gauntlet match against a chaos team of Tomohiro Ishii. Ishii, Yoshihashi and Robbie Eagles, a Bullet Club team of Bad Luck Fale, Chase Owens and Yujiro Takahashi, uh, an LIJ team of Evil, Shingo Takagi and Bushi, and a Suzuki-Goon team of Taichi, El Desperado and uh, Yoshinobu Kanemura. I think that LIJ is winning this. Okay, so I can see where your mindset is for the rest of the evening. Um, I'm going to say Bullet Club. Oh uh, yeah, but again, this is kind of a toss up. The titles, the titles don't mean a huge amount, but uh, I think that they they've got some things planned for Elijah. Uh, move on to Liger's final match: Jushin Thunder Liger teaming with Naoki Sano, so teaming with arguably his biggest rival in the past, uh, with Yoshiaki Fujiwara, who is um, credited as one of Liger's original trainers in New Japan, uh, okay. teaming up against uh, Ryu Lee, who's obviously formerly known as Dragon Lee, Ryu means uh, dragon in Japanese, uh, and Hiromi Takahashi. That is the most interesting thing to me about this match. It's well, the Ryu guy Lee and Hiromi teaming. Yeah, the guy who broke his neck and Hiromi Takahashi teaming in this match. Uh, I completely think this is a showcase for the person who will now be the IWGP Junior Championship. I think Hiromu pins Jushin Thunder Liger, and that is how Liger's career will fade. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm almost certain that Liger will be the one who takes the pinfall in this one, because that cut seems like the fitting way of doing it. I think it'll be Lee who pins him, because they're, they're starting him on a new gimmick, essentially, in New Japan. Uh, interesting, Dragon Lee is the current uh, Ring of Honor TV champion as well. It so... does bother me that he's... That they have such a strong working relationship and he's Dragon Lee. I know you said it means the same thing, but still, it's like that can cause a bit of confusion to casual fans, I think. I think what will happen here is that Lee will pin Liger and then immediately challenge Hiromu for the title. I can see that. And that'll be a good, uh, if not New Year's Dash, which would be immediately, I can see that being a good Dominion match. I think I think it'll, it'll come before Dominion. I think it'll come at the um, the February show they have. But uh, it, it's definitely it's got to happen at some point. They've got to face each other. So I, I think they'll probably they won't uh, hold off on it too long. I don't think. Uh, then we have the uh, junior heavyweight tag team titles, which will be the Bullet Club team of Taiji Shimori and El Fantasmo defending against Rapongi 3K, showing Yo. Talk about divisions that again need to be either firmly established or just go away. The junior tag team scene is just Rapongi 3K and insert team. Yeah. It, I, I, I kind of feel like this would be the opportunity to kind of merge those belts with the main tag team championships and just say, okay, 
we've got some smaller teams, we've got some bigger teams. Because let's face it, Show is going to be a heavyweight at some point in his career, at the very least. And Taiji Shimori is pretty small, but he could probably he'll probably do something with I mean, he's gonna be is a pretty permanent fixture in the uh junior heavyweight division anyway. Yo could be a pretty permanent fi- fixture there for a while. Uh El Fantasmo's been I think has been one of the best introductions to New Japan in, in the last year. Like he's a very interesting character. But this match this match would be good, but it does again, the titles aren't the most uh, heavily protected or the most heavily sought after, so it can only really reach so high. I think I th- unless you have plans of breaking them up, showing you again. Yep, I think showing you Rapongi 3K will win titles in this one as well. Uh, next, we have the British Heavyweight Championship from Rev Pro being defended, which is Zack Sabre Jr. defending against Sonata. So good potential here. Just these two are so good in the ring, and I know you feel exactly the same way. Oh yes, yeah. Zack Sabre Jr. is one of the best wrestlers in the world. Sonata, when he's on form, is a great wrestler as well. Sonata's coming off the back of winning the best bout of the year for New Japan in terms of in terms of their voting when he his match with Okada from uh, King of Pro Wrestling. So um Sonada defeated uh Zach during the G one climax. That's the last time they faced each other in singles matches. Uh Zach Sabre Jr. has been the champion since defeating Tanahashi for the title back in September. So I think like guns to my head I'm going with Sonada for this one. I'm going with Sabre Jr., but I think there's an Intercontinental Championship in the very near future for Sonata. Sonata has to be... He's really on the cusp at the moment, but you can only be on the cusp for so long before you pull the trigger. Right. So he needs to be in a more prominent position by the end of the year. But there's a lot of people that are kind of in that bracket, really, for New Japan. Like Sonata's there, Osprey's there. There's the argument he, that Sabre I would Jr. argue is there as well. well. Yeah, evil. Evil's there. Yeah. Shingo so, Takagi should arguably be there. Yeah, uh, Tomohiro Ishii is always someone who they could push at the drop of the hat. Um, you kind of have to say that Kenson might move up beyond the Never Open White stuff at some point. And Juice Robinson has always been knocking on the door as well. And also, we have to remember that Moxley and Jericho could still be around for a, a while to come, and Tanahashi's not going anywhere just yet loaded potential in the New Japan roster. Yeah. I I think, even though I know you're going for a beautiful, like, LIJ wins everything at the end of the night, I think Sonata uh, loses this, but it effectively catches the wedding bouquet that is the Intercontinental Championship when Naito throws it up <laughs> in the air after winning the uh, world title. That, 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 that's a potential prediction as well uh so now we have um well we've both said that moxley will win the u.s title from night one so uh, we both believe that moxley will be defending the title against juice robinson on night two yes and then i think juice robinson wins because he never got to beat moxley and that was such a prominent uh point of his 2019 yeah, I'm I'm in agreement as well. I think they'll which whichever person does get it, I think they'll tell the story like he's carrying a pretty broken and battered body after the uh, Texas Death match into this match with Robinson and Robinson uh, capitalizes on that to get the win. However, if by some chance John Moxley wins, 
well, then that's that will lead to some interesting stories and headlines. So we have uh, Kenta defending the Never Openweight Championship against uh, Hiroki Goto. So a lot of people are a little bit, I say, put out by this match because for the longest time they were teasing the idea that Shibata would be returning to the ring and that this match would have been Kenta against Shibata instead. Never say never, but just not right now. Yeah, no, that's, I'm not, you know, we're not saying that Shibata is permanently retired. Like they've given us every reason to believe that he might be, but he's also taken a lot of bumps recently, especially at the, at the feet of Kenta. Uh, so I think that yeah, was. The... Listen, you still need a big pop for New Year's Dash. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I've always felt like there's. There's always been that Vince McMahon mantra that you never promote a match that you have no intention of putting on. So I feel like they might be in the future Kenta versus Shibata, but I feel like they teased it too much for this show because this Breast Kingdom show show that Hiroki Goto feels like a bit of a damp squib. Yeah, I agree. And Hiroki Goto, he's a great wrestler. I thought what, his match with JY at the like, G, during the G1 Comics was one of my favourite matches of the year. And I, he just doesn't, but he's never really elevated beyond that. Well, we spoke about like all those people that we said, like, uh, is really like knocking on the door of the main event. None of us ever really mentioned Goto. Well, he's perpetually knocking at the door of the main event. Yeah, that's kind of been his gimmick for his entire career, is the fact that he's a guy who just can never break through the glass ceiling. And I don't see him breaking through here and winning the championship because I I see Kenta retaining. Yep, me too. And again, I think we're probably both thinking that they might lead to something with Shibata down the road for the title when Shibata is actually cleared. Listen, there's still New Year's Dash on day three, and we can't. We'll obviously talk more about that when we're reviewing night two on Saturday morning. No, Sunday morning. Yeah. And I, I think there's always a chance of Ketsuri Shibata. But it just wasn't meant to happen here. And this will be more of a showcase for Kenta. Should still be a very good match. But it's definitely not a focal point of Wrestle Kingdom 14. So now we have the uh, losers match. Between uh, the loser of the... Yeah, no. The loser of the heavyweight title match and the loser of the Intercontinental title match. They'll be facing each other. There's no... As far as I'm aware, there's no stipulations attached to this just yet. They're... I would say that there should be, but that's precisely why I just don't want it to be, you know, uh, Ibushi and Jay White, because then it's really just, here's a rematch from the G1 final, unless they're going to start to tell a story with, like, Ibushi, like, if Ibushi just loses his mind after losing the Okada match, if that's the route they go. But this is such a toss-up that, like, you can't fully predict much. But I'll say that, just to reiterate, my prediction will be that this match is Okada and Jay White, and Jay White will win here, and maybe we get more balloons from Okada this year. Well, I'm going for this match being Ibushi versus Jay White, and I'm having Jay White winning as well, because I think that there is a story to be told in the idea of Ibushi losing that and then just carrying over, like, being so crestfallen after losing his big opportunity that he loses to Jay White and he goes on a bit of a downward spiral for a few months. So we're going to talk AEW in about 
two seconds. Mm. But I'll ask it here with Moxley going over, with Jericho going over. Do we see Kenny? Do you, do you think that that relationship is just so frozen over right now? Or can we see something like, hey, look, guys, it's Kenny Omega, and he's here to comfort Ibushi, and Ibushi wants something to do with him. It's almost like a reverse of the initial story. I, I don't know. I mean, that would obviously be a great moment, whether they do it on this, if they were to do it on Night 2 or News Dash or whenever. I just... Again, there's just no real clarification about how how difficult the relationship is between AEW and New Japan right now. I mean, well, I I personally am of the belief that they really should all let their egos pass by, and because there's a huge amount of money to be made, and uh, that's always been the that's always been the difficulty with a lot of promotions. They don't look beyond their own egos or issues or stuff like that, and realise that. Okay, we could we create something not just the money, but we could create something really great here between an alliance between AEW and New Japan, like for both companies. And I mean, if realistically, they, if they team up, they have to know that, like, this is the best. And I know nobody's like directly after taking down WWE, but that is the best chance. That you have if you combine the talents of New Japan Pro Wrestling and All Elite Wrestling. Does it leave Ring of Honor out in the cold? Potentially. But I think right now, with the way the world is forming, AEW and NJPW teaming up makes all the sense in the world. I'd ask you this, though. Which one of them needs it more? Who needs the relationship more? Does AEW need think, the relationship more or does uh, New Japan need the relationship more? I think New Japan will benefit from the popularity of the elite. But I think that for AEW, this will be like the missing piece of the puzzle. So, so I'm going to say AEW needs it more. Well, let's talk about some more things that are more pertinent, like, directly related to AEW, with uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi against Chris Jericho. How the fuck did this come to be? Uh, what, like, one minute, because, listen, Jericho was already an AEW star when he challenged Okada, and then, you know, we knew he was champion going into this match with Tana, and then all of a sudden, Tana just says, hey, listen, if I win, I want to challenge for his title. And Jericho puts out a video and says, yeah. And then New Japan announces it that if Tanahashi wins, he gets an AEW title shot. So is there an AEW title shot in Japan? Or is Tanahashi going to... Well, you'd imagine that you'd imagine that if it was an AEW championship match, it would have to take place in an AEW ring. Exactly. So it's like, wow, where... What door just opened here... And does this mean Jericho wins? I'm kind of leading towards Jericho has to win or you're telling us that there's a relationship. Well, here's the most interesting caveat for me is that we don't know when Tanahashi's contract expires. See, Tanahashi signed a new contract with New Japan in December 2018 and it was not uh, disclosed the length of it, but it was not disclosed that it was a multi-year deal. I can't see Tanahashi. 
I see Okada. Yeah, I mean, I mean, could you have seen Shinsuke Nakamura leaving when he net left? Many people probably were surprised that he left the WWE. Or that is true. Like, uh, I mean, we don't know, and it would be it would be wild, like out of this world, if Tanahashi left New Japan to join AEW because not only would that be seen as like just wow, Tanahashi decided to leave the company that he's been at, that he's been kind of the heart and soul of for nearly two decades but then he's also joined the company who's already on really bad terms with new japan basically there, there's your any... hogan signing yeah <laughs> you know yeah, like, there, there's your hulk hogan yeah well i mean that's the guy that i mean that would be the move that basically kills any hope of a unless they're but i wouldn't i guess they wouldn't promote it that way unless um they wouldn't promote it as an AEW championship opportunity or anything like that if there was any belief that Tanahashi is just going to leave and join AEW. Right. I still think Tanahashi is going to win this. So you think there's a chance that I think they could do I think they could agree to a one-off thing of Tanahashi of Tanahashi facing Jericho on a show no idea what show but I feel like they could just do a one-off Oh wow, Hiroshi Tanahashi. See, like, like uh, WWE brought in Liger that one time for a one off appearance. Does that have to be a pay per view? That has to be a pay per view, right? Well, it would have to be the February pay per view, you'd imagine. Well, see, but I think then you get into like, I would think Mox is a shoe in for that February pay per view title shot against Jericho. Well, realistically, is it more valuable to AEW to put that match on a pay per view? Or to put that on TV and try and get a ratings win over NXT? Oh, if Tanahashi was on TV, they're winning that week, period. Like, I guess it depends, obviously, on the uh, scope of like how much the wrestling audience really watches New Japan. Once again, how- they are in America in the coming weeks. I, I feel like that is... Like, the New Japan of America show is start this month. It, 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 it's it's a really like interesting like stipulation attached to this, and it could mean that Jericho has to win because he's the title holder and they can't do a match with Tanahashi. Like so, it might have just like revealed it entirely, or it might just be that Tanahashi wins and this is kind of the the first indications of a growing relationship between a foring of like the frostiness between New Japan and AEW. If Tanahashi wins, then I. 100% think, all right, some phone calls were made, fences were mended. When do we see Kenny Omega return? Because I I don't feel like it's. It can't be one sided. And I don't feel like it's negative to say of Kenny, the Bucks, Hangman, and Cody, I think New Japan is really more concerned about Kenny. Oh, they, oh it, yeah. Like, the Bucks are great. I'm not saying anything bad about them, but I definitely think if they can only have one, they want Kenny. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think Kenny Omega is the is the linchpin in all of this, of, like, somebody who's so, like, big, was so big for New Japan for so long that they need him back, or they feel like they could use him back. But I feel like they'd probably see a lot in some other potential over there as well, and I'm pretty sure... Uh, AEW sees a lot in a lot of the New Japan talent because why wouldn't they? Uh, but that's that match. Uh, I'm going Tanahashi. You're going Jericho. 
I Jericho has to win. Uh, I'm almost certain, which is funny because up until those words were said, this felt like, well, Tanahashi's beating Jericho and then Jericho's done. He'd said this is everybody that he wanted. Mm. But now that this stipulation is added, I'm saying Jericho wins. So then we have the final match of night two and the final match of Wrestle Kingdom 14, which is the person who is the IWGP heavyweight champion facing the IWGP Intercontinental champion with both championships on the line. And the only thing that we can come to agreement on is Tetsuya Naito finally wins it. I think this is the time that Naito walks away with both titles. Uh, but you think that he'll be beating Ibushi for it, and I think yes. that he'll be beating Okada for it. Uh, you, either my, my... way, I see a celebration where, honestly, I really do see like the wedding bouquet moment of him just throwing the Intercontinental title in the air, and maybe Sonata and Evil kind of catch it, and you go, oh, there's something there. But this is Naito's big moment and more importantly a bigger moment for the audience i feel like naito is the perpetual stone cold almost like he's that he's kind of a heel but everybody loves him everybody loves lij they love saying you know tranquilo they love the whole bit i think he either wins it here or he's not winning it no i mean naito has been a world champion before but it was a very brief reign, and that was kind of when LIJ was just starting up and was starting to build some momentum. He really peaked around about, or uh, around about like late 2017, early 2018. He's then fell down a little bit down the rankings, and now he's now in a position of prominence again. I think this is probably his last big chance to be at the guy in New Japan for a while. And I, th- I feel like beating Okada makes more of a statement than beating a guy who just won the title the night before. It does. But, but I, I don't know. I just feel like whatever story you want to tell with Abushi being unsuccessful, you can tell it, even, maybe you can tell it even greater if he gets it for a second and then loses it immediately. That's, def- that's definitely a possibility. My, my mindset is more in the lines of like, I don't know whether it hurts Ibushi more or less to lose the title shot opportunity or to lose the championship one night after winning it. But um, either, either way, I think it can work. Yeah, but this is... I See, I say this is Naito's night, but I watched Wrestle Kingdom 12 and I saw a place explode for him and I'm like, well, clearly this guy is ready and this guy is the winner and Okada beat him. Yep. But if... What? That I mean, that almost that almost fuels my belief that it will be night as night this time. But let let's face it, there is a very very real opportunity that Okada walks away with both titles because it's Okada. And let's not. I would argue the same thing as a heel from a heel perspective as Jay White, even though I have him losing night one. Again, you cannot sleep on this dude, and then. You look at Ibushi, who this is his whole idea to begin with. It makes perfect sense for him to win it because he's never shut up about it since winning the IC title. If if you were to if you were to rank the four of them in terms of which you think is most likely to win, to which is least likely to win. Um, 
So most likely to win, I'd say Naito, then I would say Jay White, then I'd say Bushi, then I'd say Okada, just because I can't see Okada being Intercontinental Champion. It seems almost like Hulk Hogan being Warrior. Like, what does he do with this belt now? Yeah, I, I guess so. But I, personally, I go Naito, Okada, White, and Ibushi last. I think the fact that Ibushi is the one that proclaimed this, almost sealed his fate, is the one that's not going to win it. I like how we both really think that number two potential is Jay White. Jay White can... Oh, I said three for White. Did you say three for White? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because uh, I, I, I think that it's going to be Okada versus Naito, so I'd be pretty, pretty silly if I thought that uh, Okada didn't have an opportunity to win it. It's Okada. I have to at least back him as a potential like front runner for this. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, it's yeah, going to be a real exciting time and then you have to know that whatever comes out of this is going to set the tone for the entire year yeah this is going to be a pretty these are going to be two monumental shows it, they've, they've been built up really really well and they've got a lot of stakes riding on all of them so the only thing left to do is to look forward to watching it which we will be doing on uh, january the 4th and 5th and obviously doing post shows for both nights uh, yeah, it'll be well, obviously it'll be early in the morning for both of us, but uh, it'll be uh, a night for them. It'll be night in Japan. It'll be a night in Japan, and it'll be a fun start to our weekend for us, and a fun start to our year. Is there any better way to kick off the year, but with arguably the best wrestling supercard of the year? Yeah, I think January kind of sets really bad expectations for the rest of the year because it really does. Because <laughs> it's because you have Wrestle Kingdom and then you have the Royal Rumble later on in the month, and then it's all downhill from there. <laughs> yeah, wrestling is so exciting for the first thirty days of the year, and then it all goes downhill. Yeah. So, hope you've enjoyed uh, these predictions. We'll just toss a few uh, plugs your way now. Uh, if you want to listen to uh, more New Japan content or any kind of uh, additional content on top of the stuff we already do, then uh, donate to the Patreon is probably the best way to support us uh whether you just donate a buck or a young buck or a, a milwaukee or buck one of those okada dollars yeah you know like yeah. anything anything helps yeah but obviously there we have our own uh pick your poison tier as well so if you donate uh fifty dollars you can uh basically we're your little puppets and we can do whatever you command us to do it's very important to say that money does talk ladies yes. and gentlemen and also if you want to donate but also get something else in return other than just more content for your ears uh, you could go to the tea public or Redbubble shops get some uh, merchandise from smart moment obviously go to smartcomemoment.com check out all the articles the weekly stuff that's out there follow us on facebook on twitter or on any other social media platforms join the conversation in the mega maniacs facebook group because I'm sure there'll be a Wrestle Kingdom chat up there as well if you want to talk with us while you're uh, watching along. Anything else you want to chat out there, Rob? Uh, yeah, I would also say he's not here, but follow Tony everywhere at Tony Mango because he is the guy who keeps this thing going. Uh, support his content over at Fanboys Anonymous and everything associated with that. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dude Felice. You can check out everything I'm doing because I will be on the news for Wrestle Kingdom over at Fightful.com. I'm also over at WrestleZone.com doing news there Wednesday through Friday and the WrestleZone Daily Monday through Thursday. So just check out everything we each have going on. And 
we will see you, I guess, Saturday morning. Yep. So if you want to follow me on Twitter anyway, you can follow me at Wigmaster14. And if you haven't checked it out over the year, then go back and listen to 2001 Wrestling Odyssey because that was our pet project for the year as like an addition onto it. So it'd be greatly appreciated if you do check it out or just re-listen to it if you already have already. It's a great way to cap off the year. Anyway, thanks very much for checking out the New Japan Wrestle Kingdom 14 predictions. This has been another Smart Count moment and we are being counted out. Ah!